Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to an episode of Caffeinate after taking a week off. Today is August the 6th, and my name is Samuel Adams. Welcome to today's show. For those that don't know what this show actually is, this is a gaming news morning show centered around news coming out of, you guessed it, the gaming industry. And over the course of the past few days, I have been on vacation, but it wasn't really a vacation. Uh, We had to come back. We had a death in the family, so I had like three days to where I didn't have to really do that much, and it was kind of nice, but uh, I did miss doing the show it's kind of weird you know doing something for so long and then waking up and not doing it one day it's just kind of like whoa because I've had over 100 episodes of caffeinate over the course of the past few months so it was kind of strange uh, to not do that whenever I woke up but hey you know everybody needs a little bit of a vacation every now and again Uh, However, I am glad to be back. We do have some news, and I'm kind of disappointed because I missed a ton of awesome news, but we're not going to be doing a recap or anything like that just because other people get news from other places whenever I'm not here. Obviously, I'm not like IGN or GameSpot or something. You don't need me. You need me. But uh, we do have some interesting stories to talk about today. Nintendo has announced a brand new Nintendo Direct for August the 8th. Flash sales are returning to Steam. Blade's Shadow Game Streaming Service is expanding to the East Coast with a new mobile app, which is a really interesting piece of technology. We'll dive into that a little bit. Tekken 7 is adding a Walking Dead character as a playable character. Fortnite for Android is ditching the store. Now, this is where the show today is going to take a bit of a turn. Uh, I'm going to be going back and talking about some stuff that I missed over the course of the past couple of days that I've been out of town, so we'll be doing that. Uh, PlayStation Plus free games have been announced, or they were. You know them probably by now, but we'll talk about them again because I missed them. And after four years, someone found a Metroid cameo in Donkey Kong Country. Tropical Freeze, a fantastic game, and also... I have a little nugget for you guys there at the end, but in the chat, boss says, what's good, my brother? What's good, my dude? How are you? Welcome to the stream slash morning slash thing. Anyways, let's go ahead and dive into the news of the day. Nintendo announces the Nintendo Direct for August the 8th. New details on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Nintendo will broadcast a new Nintendo Direct presentation on Wednesday, August the 8th at 7 a.m. Pacific Time slash 10 a.m. Eastern Time. The company announced today on Twitter. The presentation will focus on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and will feature new information on the game from director Mashiro Sakurai. There we go. Man, I'm really good at names. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was teased during a memorable Nintendo Direct back in March, and then formally revealed in the Nintendo Direct at E3 2018, the last time the console marker held, maker excuse me, held one of these live streams. Shortly after the March Nintendo Direct, Sakurai nailed it. Revealed he would return to the franchise for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at E3 2018, Nintendo announced that every character except Waluigi, because he's only been an assist trophy, who has never appeared in a Super Smash Bros. game, would be featured in Ultimate, making a roster of more than 60. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is listed for a December 7th launch on the Switch. Tune in on Wednesday, and Polygon will have coverage along with pretty much everybody else in the world. But uh, that's pretty much what we've got going on so far. So a big direct is coming on Wednesday. It should be pretty interesting overall everybody's pumped about smash that's kind of like the next big game that's coming on the switch um in my mind i'm thinking pretty much it's like pokemon and then super smash bros those are the ones that are at the forefront of everybody's focus right now in 2018 when it comes to the switch but of course it has been a very slow summer uh for nintendo's hybrid console people just aren't really you know getting things to play because nothing's really coming out so it's been kind of a dig into those little nindies dig into the back catalog and see if you can find something to play of course fortnite came out on the switch so a ton of people are playing that still uh, but overall i'm excited to see more from the uh, the super smash bros ultimate i think it's going to be a fantastic entry of course if it can even come close to what melee has done which has been popular for over 17 years uh then you're going to be having a bit of a uh 
a bit of a success on your hands there, Nintendo. So well, hopefully we'll see what happens with that. But um, again, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern time. So that means we will talk about it right here on Cavanate on August the 9th, I suppose. Uh, but I'm pretty excited about what we've got coming. Uh, in the chat, Rasm says, hey, Samuel, how's it going? Long time no see. It is going very well. And many memes have been made due to Waluigi not added. Uh, I think Waluigi should be added as DLC at some point in the future. Bring new people in uh, to the mix. I'm sure that there are going to be DLC characters to come down the line. You can't just compile all of the ones that have been presented in the past. That would be, I don't know. You need to introduce some new characters, some new, you know, locations, stuff like that. Some new ways to mix it up a little bit. And I'm sure that he'll come at some point. I I know. I mean, you can't leave out Waluigi. Really, come on now. Let's be a little bit, little bit reasonable here. It's 2018. We need some Waluigi. Wahaha. Anyways, moving on to the next story of the day. Flash sales are returning to Steam according to a report. Developers will be able to choose a temporary 6, 8, 12, 10, or 12-hour mega discounts. Wow, that's, I didn't, I haven't read these stories. I never go into the stories having actually read them. I just kind of, you know, stumble my way through it, which is why I tend to mispronounce things from time to time. But wow, that's a really cool feature. Uh, Steam sales used to be very different. In addition to a standard price cut throughout any given sale, some games would have a temporary mega discount called flash sales. For example, a game might be 50% off for a whole two weeks, but 80% off for a 12-hour chunk of that. Valve did away with them in 2016, but a new report suggests they'll make a return soon in a slightly altered form. Format. Rather than a flash sale lasting a fixed amount of time, developers will be able to choose whether it lasts 6, 8, 10, or 12 hours, according to a popular YouTube channel, Valve News Network. The report cites information from the Valve-backed Steam translation server, which volunteers use which, excuse me, which volunteers use to translate Steam text into other languages. If Valve decides to bring back Steam's uh, flash sales and nothing is confirmed at the moment, I think it'll be a mistake. Before 2016, it was never worth buying a game during a sale unless it was on a flash sale, because there was a chance that it'd receive an extra 20% discount the next day and you'd feel like a chump if you'd already paid more. Basically, you'd buy any flash sales you liked and for other games you'd just wait until the last day of the sale when you knew there would be no further discounts. I like the more relaxed approach that sales take now. If a game is discounted, it'll stay at a price for the duration of the sale so you know where you stand. But I'm sure other people like the flash sales, which undeniably turned a Steam sale into more of an event where you'd check every day to see what the latest price drop was. Would you like Valve to bring them back? I do. Okay, so here's the thing with Steam Flash sales. They were kind of iconic in my mind because that's what set a Steam sale aside from something like a PlayStation Network sale or an Xbox Live sale because I would literally, back uh, around 2015, uh, right around the time that I actually built the PC that I'm still using today, I needed a lot of games just because I needed games to play. I just built the PC. So I would literally, during the sale, check about every hour uh, whenever it was you know revealing games because new games continued to roll out throughout the course of the sale. I would continuously check this thing uh, to see what was coming out. I was very, very excited, and that was a very um, interesting way to get me to come back time and time again throughout the entire day to see what was on sale. I got some really good games for incredibly low prices, and I loved the flash sales. Uh, but overall, I understand where they're coming from with taking them away uh, because everybody feels like they kind of get ripped off whenever you pay $20 for a game and then all of a sudden in 15, 30 minutes, whatever it might be, you're paying half of that. And it's ridiculous to some degree, but still, it's kind of like the nature of the beast. You know, I kind of like that kind of thing because it does uh, maintain, you know, my interest. It, it brings me back and it makes me feel like I'm getting, it's almost like a little crack cocaine, but with video games. I didn't say that. What are you talking about? Anyways, uh, if you did want to see Flash Shell's return, I am very excited about what's going on. 
Now, in the chat, Rasm says, so flash sale is like a summer sale we've had. Mainly, in my mind, they're incorporated into the larger sales. So, for instance, if you have a summer sale, uh, then you would have a flash sale within the summer sale on certain items. So, for instance, a game like Grand Theft Auto V, just for instance, this would never happen because Rockstar never alters the price of Grand Theft Auto. Uh, but you could bring, you know, $30 for the original sale, and then during a 30-minute hour, whatever it might be, now it's, I think, 6, 8, 10, and 12-hour period, uh, you you can choose to have it at half of that where it's $15, but everybody after that or before that is completely out of the cold. Uh, it's really, really interesting. and It's a different way to sell things, uh, but of course, I feel like the sales themselves will be better uh, as far as the numbers go, how many games have been sold, because people are going to be more willing to dish out money when they are confident in the price that they're paying. Uh, you know, if you have this idea that something may be a little bit cheaper, you're going to wait longer and you might not even get it or you might lose interest. So to be able to, uh, you know, lock in that sale as soon as possible and get people on board uh, as soon as possible, that's a big, big thing for getting the, um, getting the uh, you know, people. You got to get the people, man. So uh, we'll see what happens with this. I'm very interested to see if it actually does end up coming back. I think it's uh, it's an interesting time for Steam because they're competing with a lot of uh, global powers and whatnot, and so more and more competitors are entering into the ring. So Steam, although it is huge and although it will remain to be huge, needs to kind of keep a check on things and make sure they are going to be the big, big competitor when it comes to PC downloadable games, which I don't think they're going anywhere at all. But um. There are several other ones coming down the pipe, and we'll see what goes on. But speaking of PC games, if you do like to play on your mobile phone and or your laptop, or you have a PC that's kind of shitty, and you need a little bit more power on the back end, then boy, do I have the program for you that is now expanding to the East Coast, because, man, this is some interesting stuff. Blade's Shadow Game Streaming Service is expanding to the East Coast with a new mobile app. More states can stream now. This is a fantastic piece of technology. French startup Blade first launched its shadow game streaming service as a limited rollout in California earlier this year. Now, the company is expanding again by opening up availability to several new states on the West Coast, and for the first time, it's offering the shadow service to East Coast gamers with the launch of a brand new data center. In all, 18 additional states will get access to the service on August the 9th, including New York, Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, North Carolina, represent Rhode Island, South Carolina, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, Nevada, and and Oregon Blade also promises that it will add more states in the future with the goal of offering service to the entire U.S. by October. Really interesting stuff. Now, this is actually what it is. Okay, in addition to the new locations, Blade is also unveiling a Shadow Beyond app for iOS and Android that allows players to skip using the desktop Windows experience and simply launch straight into their games from a smartphone or tablet. Now, this is what it actually is, because I don't know why no one described the item at hand uh, before they told you where it was going to be, but Shadow looks to differentiate itself from other streaming services by offering users access to what amounts to a dedicated machine in its data centers that the company claims is the equivalent of a $2,000 gaming PC. Specs wise, Blade offers 12 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM, a Xeon processor that's roughly equal to an Intel Core i7 chip, 256 gigabytes of storage, and a GTX 1080 GPU. For $34.95 a month, users can stream whatever games they install on their virtual machine to the less powerful home PC, laptop, tablet, or even a mobile device. So essentially, this is using cloud technology to allow anything to be a beefy gaming PC. And I love the word beefy. Some people don't. I do. It's kind of like moist. Um, anyways, this is a really 
revolutionary set of ideas here because as time goes on, less people are going to be able to afford uh, big PCs if they just want to dabble in gaming. And to be able to pay $34.95 a month, that's a bit much. But if you're a hardcore gamer uh, and you want to forego using stuff like cable, if you want to forego Netflix, if you want to forego Hulu Plus, if you just play games, this is a viable option. You know, it's actually a relatively affordable price when you compare it to traditional media formats and media subscription services. Of course, I feel like its entry point is a little bit high at $34.95. That's, of course, the biggest package you can get, and that's the only package you can get. But at the same time, I feel like more people are used to the $10, $15 kind of monthly fee. Uh, $5 is even better. The lower you can go on price, the better off you're going to be. And so when it comes to that... I feel like there are some changes that could be made, but overall, $34.95 is a relatively affordable price, uh, but it is a very moist price, if you will. Uh, however, I am very excited to see where the technology goes. Will I be getting on board with this? Probably not, just because I'm normally at home when I play games anyway. I don't play games on the go. I have a powerful gaming PC. I have a PS4 Pro and an Xbox One. I don't need, you know, to have this. But for somebody who is maybe in college then uh, doesn't have all the amenities, for somebody who is trying to cut back a little bit and may not be able to afford a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, but does have a monthly, you know, income to where they can reasonably pay for a $34.95 a month subscription service. Uh, I think it's definitely an option for them, and I think that's a pretty good idea overall. Uh, but cloud computing is definitely going to be a big part of gaming's future. I can't imagine uh, a scenario in which it's not, just because the technology is so impressive. And literally, you know, a phone can be, I just hit my headset, a phone can be uh, what you use to game in a very, you know, good way, a quality way. It's a, it's a good experience. So I'm excited to uh, to hear more about the technology and see it grow and develop. But as for right now, it seems like Blade Shadow Game Streaming Service is going to be a fantastic option that is rolling out across the uh, coast and then going to be coming to the mainland of the United States over the course of the next few months as we inch closer and closer to October, which is jam-packed with a lot of awesome games that I'm sure that PC gamers will be trying on Blade's streaming service. The question is, what kind of connection do you need with this? That's the one thing I do want to ask. Do I need to have an amazing fiber connection to get a good option? Or can I do this with just my, you know, mobile service on the train? Or, you know, on, on I don't know if you can use phones on airplanes now. I haven't flown in a while. But, you know, you can uh, do that kind of stuff. Do I just use data or do I need a stable Wi-Fi connection with nobody else using it? I don't know. Uh, but overall... I'm sure I'll find out at some point in the future. Moving on to the next story of the day. I saw Boss was excited about this one. Tekken 7 is adding Walking Dead's Negan as a playable character. Negan joins the fight. The Walking Dead's Negan, who brutalizes people with his barbed wire baseball bat Lucille, is coming to Tekken 7 as a playable character. This was announced today at the Fighting Game Tournament Evo in Las Vegas. Negan is coming to Tekken 7 as part of its Season 2 of content. This will also include returning characters Anna Williams and Lei Wulong. You can see the Season 2 Pass reveal trailer below. Low. Last year, Tekken series producer Katsurio Harada, maybe, said Negan would be too weak to be a Tekken 7 character, even with his trademark baseball bat. Tekken Season 1 of DLC included crossover characters such as Fatal Fury's Geese Howard and Final Fantasy XV's Noctis. Pricing for Tekken 7 Season 2 price, or excuse me, Season 2 Pass hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's expected you'll be able to purchase Negan and other characters individually or in a pack. I would hope in a pack. It seems like individual characters are a bit you know, nickel and dimey. Uh, but in GameSpot's Tekken 7 review, Peter Brown said it was an easy game to recommend. Its diverse roster is packed with a wide range of personalities and fighting styles, bolstered by a rashish attitude that bre uh, begs to be taken seriously while simultaneously mocking its more peculiar whims in the process. 
he wrote. So if you want to dive in and see Negan as a playable character in Tekken 7, then you can do that. Of course, Evo was this past weekend. I didn't watch it. I was a little bit busy with some family things. But overall, uh, I heard some fantastic things. I heard that the uh, the furry guy won Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Uh, congratulations to Furry Man. I know that he is uh, he is a, a well-loved character because... Uh, or, player, character, whatever you want to call him, furry, uh, in, <laughs> in the fighting game scene because he is so owning up to who he is and he's so proud of it. He's just bold and, 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 and boisterous and I love it. You know, I respect it immensely. The confidence that is just radiating from this individual is amazing. So, uh, good on him and, uh, you know, keep up with that. But overall, Evo seemed like a pretty good thing with a ton of announcements, including some melee stuff, you know, some, um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and, and Tekken 7 and whatnot. Very cool, very cool show. And, uh, of course, he saw PogChamp, whatever his actual name is. He's a fighting games guy. He's, look, I don't want to get old, man. Uh, you saw a lot of things over there at the uh, at the Evo. So, um, anyways, getting back on topic. If you want to see more about Tekken 7, you can jump in, check out the trailers and whatnot. There's going to be a trailer featuring, you know, Negan and the other Season 2 past people right here on the GameSpot page. Or you can be a normal person and just look it up on YouTube. Or you can go all the way to GameSpot, whatever works for you. The link is down below if you're watching on YouTube. But moving on to the next story of the day, Fortnite for Android is ditching the Google Play Store for Epic's website. Epic Games CEO cites economic efficiency by bypassing Play Store's 30% cut. I have mixed feelings about this, and we'll dive into that in a moment. But I do want to say this story is from a few days ago. I did want to go back to it. I did miss it on, I suppose that would be Friday's episode of Caffeinate. But I did want to go back in and discuss it because it's a really interesting little change uh, considering that, uh, you know, Google Play is kind of like the go-to for a lot of people. Epic Games announced today that it will not distribute its massively popular game Fortnite on Android through Google Play's store Marketplace. Instead, the company plans to directly distribute the software to players through the official Fortnite website where Android users can download a Fortnite installer program to install the game on compatible devices. The news confirms reports from earlier this week that Epic would bypass Google for the Android launch of the game. There is no concrete release date yet for the Android version of Fortnite, but rumors circulate suggesting the game's release will be tied to the upcoming Samsung Galaxy Note 9 launch. Epic declined to comment on the game's release date or any partnership plans with Samsung. Regardless, the announcement marks a bold departure from the widespread industry practice of using mobile operating system makers like Apple and Google for app distribution. For Fortnite on iOS, Epic decided to distribute the game on the App Store, most likely because it had no other method of getting iPhone users to easily download the software. Apple, unlike Google, does not allow iOS users to download apps that are not first approved by its internal review processes and distributed through its proprietary marketplace. With Google and its more open platform, Epic can get away with distributing in the app itself. CEO Tim Sweeney says the primary motivation here is twofold. Epic wants to maintain its direct relationship with consumers. The company currently distributes Fortnite on PC through its own Epic Games launcher instead of using Valve's popular Steam platform. Epic wants to have a direct relationship with our customers on all platforms where that's possible. Look me in the eye and tell me you believe that, Sweeney told The Verge over email. The great thing about the internet and the digital revolution is that it's possible now that physical storefronts and middlemen distributors are no longer required. The second reason is financial. There we go. Look me in the eye and tell me that's not what it is. Epic does not want to pay Google's 30% cut, especially considering the entire game is funded through in-app purchases. The 30% store tax is a high cost in a world where game developers 70% must cover all the cost of developing, operating, and supporting their games, Sweeney says. 
there's a rationale for on this console uh excuse me there's a rationale for this on console where there's enormous investment in hardware often sold below cost and marketing campaigns in broad partnership with publishers but on mobile platforms that are open like android 30 percent is disproportionate to the cost of the services these platforms need i suppose stores perform such as payment processing download bandwidth and customer service he says sweeney adds that epic is intimately familiar with these costs and its direct distribution on fortnite on mac and pc uh, Fortnite on iOS, there's more that can be said. There's a, a whole lot more that doesn't need to be said. Uh, but overall, what you need to know is that if you want to play Fortnite on your Android, it's ridiculously uh, going to not be on Google Play. That's kind of my take on this. This is more... I don't want to call it greed, because I feel like greed's a heavy word. Greed is a greed is boisterous. But when it comes down to it, the 30% cut is going to come at the cost of people having to do an additional step to get Fortnite on their phones. If the process of getting Fortnite on your phone is not incredibly fluid and easy to access, this is going to come back and bite Epic in a big way. I can tell you right now that the fact that Fortnite is not on Google Play is going to obviously hinder the Android version of the game because people aren't going to want to take that additional step and come back and try and and, and download the game from something that isn't, you know, Google Play because everybody on mobile is so used to being in a linear direction. Very few people out of the millions of people that have Android phones want to go and download an additional thing instead of just going on Google Play and finding the app that they need. It just is so simple and streamlined, uh, especially considering most of us have been raised using iOS stuff from the beginning. That's me. I started with an iPad, then I got an iPhone and whatnot. Uh, but overall, it's still going to do well, but it's not going to do as well as it could have. But overall, the 30% cut is just something that Google Play needs uh, to upkeep their back end, especially considering that the online service is going to be serving so many people because Fortnite on Android is going to be massive. Fortnite on a toaster would be massive, okay? you got to understand these things. It takes upkeep on the back end on both Epic and Google Play's parts, so overall... I get both ends of the story. You save money by just distributing it yourself. At the same time, it's pretty pretty cheap. Uh, so overall, we'll see what goes on with this. But I do 100% guarantee you uh, that sales are going to be much, much lesser uh, than, you know, anything else on iOS, on obviously PlayStation, Xbox, whatever you might want to see. Uh, but overall... I would love to compare these numbers in a couple of months once the game actually does launch. Now, M in the chat says, I hate everything about being awake this early other than caffeinate. Me too. Me too. But indeed. However, if you do want to get some free games on your PlayStation, if you do have a PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, or PlayStation Vita, the PlayStation Plus free games for August 2018 were announced during my little hiatus, and they're relatively good. I'm going to dive back into a couple of them, and one for the first time. Hello gamers, says James Halahan. Are you ready for August PlayStation Plus lineup? First up, we have Mafia 3. Play as a Lincoln Clay, a Vietnam vet who comes back home after years of combat. When his surrogate family is wiped out by the Italian Mafia, Lincoln builds a new family and blazes a path of military-grade revenge through the mafioso responsible. Next, we have the 4v1 horror game Dead by Daylight. One player takes on the role of the savage killer, and the other four players play as survivors trying to escape the killer and avoid being caught, tortured, and killed. And the rest of them include Bound by Flame for the PlayStation 3, along with Serious Sam 3, BFE, a really good FPS, Draw Slasher for the PS Vita, along with Space Hulk 2 eh, games, and additionally, for those that have PlayStation Vita, we're offering a bonus VR game for PlayStation Plus members this month, from August 7th through October 2nd, that's a long time, PlayStation Plus members can download Here They Lie free for their PlayStation VR system, experience the game where death is not a checkpoint, explore a nightmare city inhabited by strange, malevolent creatures in this first-person horror game where unsettling encounters and environments come to life. Now, if that wasn't enough, 
It was, trust me. You can also get Knowledge is Power as part of your PlayStation Plus membership from August the 7th through November the 6th. Outsmart your opponents with a massive variety of trivia questions and tactical challenges. Be sure to have a compatible mobile device, you lost me there, and companion app, and you'll be ready to play. It seems like this is more of a, um, the Buzz, you remember the Buzz trivia games? Yeah, it was like, it was like Buzz where you, um... It was hard to explain. It was kind of like a game show, uh, but it was uh, on PlayStation Move, I think, and a couple of other things. They had a PlayStation Portable version of it, but no one ever played that. So, uh, anyways, if you want to dive in and check out the free games for PlayStation Plus for August of 2018, you can check them out. Overall, the best one out of the bunch is probably, I would say, Dead by Daylight. Mafia 3, I heard, was good. I had it at one point, but I never got around to playing it. I bought it on Black Friday for like $8, and I never just... It just fell through the cracks, but uh, overall, I'm probably going to do uh, go back in and play both of these because I've heard amazing things about Dead by Daylight. I know that a ton of people have recommended that I play it. I love the uh, the vibe of Dead by Daylight, but I also want to dive into Mafia 3 because I loved Mafia 2. Man, that was a gory game, but it had fantastic physics, and I always thought that it was a Rockstar game growing up because Mafia 2 came out whenever I was younger, and uh, lo and behold, it was not. It was a, wow, you know, it's a great game, but uh, I'm excited to see what it brings to the table. And of course, I love the Vietnam setting because of the music, so hopefully they incorporated a good bit of that into Mafia 3, and I'll be uh, letting you guys know how I feel about that at some point. But we will definitely continue on, and I'll continue covering up what is going on with PlayStation Plus. That made it sound like some kind of conspiracy theory. It's not. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm going to continue covering it, not covering it up. But in the chat, Boss says, Mafia 3 is a good story, really repetitive gameplay. I mean, that's kind of what Mafia 2 was as well. You know, it's uh, one of those things where you get into it, and it's like you're either part of the Mafia or you're fighting the Mafia, one of the two, and you just shoot the bad guys and keep on rolling. That's kind of how I like it. Uh, but I love the music in Mafia 3 and Mafia 2, so we'll see what goes on with it, especially Mafia 2. That was some really good little, little uh, Frank Sinatra-level jazz. Anyways, I could gush about that forever. Moving on to the next story of the day. After four years, someone found a Metroid cameo in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, a tiny, tiny cameo. People have been playing Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for roughly four years since it debuted on the Wii U, and just this week, someone found a fresh Metroid Easter egg. Pretty wild. Twitter user Shane Marchis, Marchis maybe managed to hunt it down in the Amiss Abyss, and it involves a bit of backtracking that you wouldn't normally do, which explains why it was hidden for this long. I mean, even if someone found it in the past, I can easily see them missing it if they aren't paying attention. See? Enhance. Enhance. Good reference. It's a little Metroid. He's right above the player character in the shot below. In addition to the screen, Shane took a video explaining how he came across it. In case you're wondering, yes, it is in both the Wii U and the Switch editions. Uh, right there, if you if you look, hold on, maybe I can actually zoom in. Um, I'm not sure how this works. It's right here. It's very difficult to see, but it's right there. Pretty cool stuff overall. Uh, and going back, zooming out a little bit. Oh, there's no more story. Anyways, uh, so if you want to dive back into Metroid's uh, little cameo for Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, then you can uh, do that overall. Uh, I will say this is one of the best platformers over the course of the past few years. This is a fantastic little game. Uh, I love watching people play this game, speedrun this game. I watched an entire playthrough from Man vs. Game back when the game came out on the Wii U. And a really, really beautiful little platformer. So if you want to dive in, I 100% back this one. Uh, worth your time. And especially in the future when it price, you know deflates a little bit whenever it's not quite so expensive. I would recommend getting out on the Switch. Really, really cool game. Uh, but overall, cool to see that there is a little cameo right there. And, um, you know, I like that kind of thing. But the final story of the day, I always try and end with a funny one to let you guys chuckle as you, as you go into another tab on your browser or another app on your phone. But City Planner caught using City Skyline screenshot in a proposal. 
City Skylines is a great city-building video game, and fans all over the world know it. It's not a hardcore city-planning simulator, but that didn't stop one town development firm from using a screenshot in their brochure for a potential new town outside of Norfolk in the United Kingdom. In a wonderful article for the Eastern Daily Press, reporter Jessica Frank Keyes points out a top-down shot of the proposed town is simply a screenshot from the city skylines taken from a Reddit thread posted three years ago. The real hero of the article is a source named Matt Carding Woods. What's up with these people having two last names? Whose eagle eye recognized the sky skyline screenshot due to the incinerator at the bottom of the picture. He leveraged his knowledge into a critique of the development project, stating that for a professional developer to take one of these shots and use it as a representative of a real development is just downright lazy. It's extremely uh, indicative of just how thoughtless Lampro have been about this entire development. It is worth noting that the Skylines image is on the second page of the proposal, uh, and it's sandwiched between a page that features a sketch master plan and a page featuring a site analysis. The video game screenshot is not labeled as anything, leaving a reader to assume that it is in some way associated with the images and is in sequence with. The article has a choice statement from the managing director of LandPro, who is quoted saying that there has been a lot of serious use of Skylines to model, engage, and explain projects. That is beautiful. City planning video games are not planning simulations, however, as Daniel Hertz explains quite persuasively in an article for The Atlantic back in 2016. Additionally, one could also assume that lifting images off of Reddit doesn't have much to do with modeling a real-world project to be built in an actual non-fictional location. The Eastern Daily Press's piece ends with a powerful slam-dunk move that I cannot help but replicate here. The same image was shared on a Pinterest board called City Design Thoughts. City Design Thoughts. And there you have it. That is what you have. There has been a professional that probably went to college that has been working his entire life, more than likely their entire life, whatever they may be, uh, to work to be a city planner. And they have chosen to use city skylines. City skylines. But that wraps it up for today's episode of Cabinet. If you enjoyed today's show and you want to drop me a follow over there on Twitter to keep up to date with when I go live with this show, I would love to see you over there on my timeline. Uh, on top of that, this show is, of course, live Five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, right here on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media. And then is distributed via podcast services around the world on iTunes, Google Podcast, a whole bunch of other ones, Apple Podcast, even. You can do what you need to do to get the show in your ears. But overall, I would love to uh, to continue doing the show for as long as I can, and we continue to do that, and I guarantee you we will. But overall, hope you guys have a fantastic Monday. I will see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for being here if you're watching live, and it's so good to be back on the podcast grind. Feels real good, man. Feels real good. Peace.